Okay, we're doing Daf Tesvav. Uh, we're starting just from a couple lines down. And we're just finishing off the discussion of Kalayim. The mission was talking about, are you allowed to send gifts? Allowed to send gifts to somebody on Yantif. So it seemed like the mission was saying that it depends, it depends what you're sending. So if you're sending things that are fit to use, so the recipient is going to be able to use them, so then you're allowed to. But if he's not going to be able to use them, he, and you can't send them. That's, that seems to be the idea. There's some sort of like excessive tericha or busyness sending something that a guy can't use anyway, so then you can't do it. But if he's able to use it, then you're allowed to. So one of the missions that one of the things that the mission identified that he's able to use, it said he could send them garments, whether they're sewn or they're, whether they're not sewn together. So we said that we can understand, even if they're not fully sewn together, but at least um, he could cover himself, himself with that. But it also mentioned Kalayim. So that guy is very nervous. What are you talking about Kalayim? I mean, how is the guy going to going to use Kalayim? He's not allowed to wear it. So I'll put it on him, but what's he going to use Kalayim for? So we said, oh, maybe it's a curtain, maybe it's under him, but those were also bad because we see with Rabbanon that you're not allowed to have those things as well because you might come, they might come to get wrapped on you on some level. So we saw at the top of the Amaral of El Umar explains that we're dealing with something which is hard, a stiff type of material, very stiff clothing. So those, with Rabbanon, they weren't gozer since they don't really give us any warmth, so it's much to sit upon them. That's the, that's the Chiddush, the Chiddush here. Kasha, Kasha, and the Rabbana weren't goes there. And the Gemara brought us a little bit of proofs. They're allowed to sit on some sort of uh, felt from Narash because there's no warmth. And um, another example, Amr Papa, which is the thing that it goes under their shoe. It's even made if it's wool, and even if there would be some linen in it, this thing under the shoe it would be okay. Because even though there's examined Rabbana enough that it shouldn't be under you, but it's not a concern when you're dealing with a stiff type, hard type of, um, of clothing. Okay, says the Gemara, we see this idea in a different place now. Amar Rava, let's say you have like a, a, a wallet. You know, you ever thought about having, you know, Kalim in a wallet? So, so it's a, let's say imagine you had a wool wallet, like a little purse, you know, a little coin bag. And, and it's Kalim, so what's the Tehemish of Kalim? There's no Isra of Kalim. In other words, the Shaila is that maybe you're gonna take it out and put it on your lap, let's say. And it will, there will be warmth that is provided. So that's an issue. And we're saying that there's no issue. Why? What's the part? Since it holds the coin, so the material hardens. It gets like a stiffer, stiffer sort of consistency when it, after the time from holding the coins. So therefore now, if I, there's no issue with it's such a coin bag. Because again, there's no issue with if the material is stiff. Um, and it's just upon you. If it's, if it's there for, to hold seeds... Same type of thing, just a bag that they held seeds, each from Shemkalim, then there is Kalim, because that one would be softer. And therefore, there would be warmth if it would be placed upon it. Rav Ashi Yomar, Rav Ashi disagrees. He says, both, both coins, both bags, the coin bag and the sea bag, do not have Kalim, because it's not the derech chimum bakach. It's very interesting. I don't understand so well what he meant. He meant, does this mean you said in Kalim? that there's no insert to have something to get warmth from it if it's not the normal way of doing it. In other words, if I have clothing or a curtain or a blanket or anything like that, there there's an insert of Kalayim to get the, the Hanas Chimam. We always say Hanas Chimam is like the enjoyment to the warmth, which is a way of saying whatever, you know, the gishmak of wearing something or having something on you. When you're dealing with a different form of Hanas, like something like that, where even if there is warmth, but it's not coming in the typical way, it's more like, you know, you've got this bag and it's a softer material and it's providing warmth, then there's no iser. Very interesting novelty of the Gemara. Ain derech himam bakach, and therefore it's why it's like not considered to be a ma'aseh levisha at all. Torah says it can't be on you in a way that would be similar to levisha. Just as levisha gives you hanah, so too being on you derech hanah is also. 
We're saying it has to be B'derech Shochim. Right. Not on Yom Kippur, on the other days, but yeah. 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 So what are you trying to say? I think the Gemara seems to paint it that it really is just an exception to the law. I think typically you're not allowed to wear a belt as Kalayim. Um, you mean because it's, it's on a second layer? Is that what you mean? Oh. You mean specific because it's a belt? I don't know. It, it seems otherwise. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think more like a guard, though, you know? It's, a, you know, it's almost like a scarf. You know? I don't know. All right, the Mishnah said you can't send the sandal musmar, the sandal that has spikes in it. Says the Gemara, sandal musmar with Amalah. Why can't you send the sandal with spikes? Because the story that once happened. There was once a story, the Gemara Shabbos tells us by Rikos. There's a story, they were hiding in a cave, and uh, they had the spiky sandals everybody was wearing, and there was a stampede, it killed a lot of people. So because of that din, because of that story, Chazar restricted wearing these sandals. So because of that, now there's no purpose to it. There's no purpose, you can't send it as a gift. Says the Gemara, Amar Abayi, Sandalam Musmar Arsalanal. Even though it's also to wear, you are allowed to move it, meaning it's not muksa. The Chedesh we're saying is that it's not muksa just because you're not allowed to wear it. What does that become? So Rashi learns Pshad is, it's a Kli Shemalachta Laiser. Kli Shemalachta Laiser is like a pen or like a hammer. So Kli Shemalachta Laiser Pshad is, it's a Kli, but its primary usage is for something that you're not allowed to do on Yontif. So we're saying that even though that's true, it's still a kli, so even though you're not allowed to move it for, to protect it or something like that, but if it's in your way, if it's Sarach Makomo, you're allowed to move it, or if you need it, you know, to somehow, somehow another creative uh, usage that might come up on Yontif, you're allowed to move it. So that's the point. It's still a kli. And then we continue. Also, now, Mishnah, we explain, you're not allowed to wear it because of the story that happened. But so it's Altum Tanein Mishal Khan Armishnah said, you can't send the Sandal Mishnah. If it would enter your mind to say that maybe what, it's really Moksa. If it's also even also to move it, is there any novelty? You're not allowed to send it as a gift? So from the fact that the Mishnah said you're not allowed to send it as a gift, the Mashkulir Mashmalas is that it's not Moksa. Had it been Moksa, there's not even a discussion about sending it as a gift. So from the fact that the Mishnah said it's also to send it as a gift, we take out the implication is that it's not Moksa. Continues the Gemara, and unsown shoe. Suck the Gemara Pshita. Obviously, it may not be, um, obviously it can't be sent. Why? It's an unsown shoe you can't do anything with. Not like something you can cover yourself with. There's nothing, no, no value to it. So the moral of the Tzichah, even though it's attached, there's small little pegs. So I don't really understand exactly, but it's somewhat attached to flaps. It's just not sewn together properly. And the point is, you wouldn't wear it well, but you could technically wear it on some level like a shoe, but it's still not allowed to be sent. That's the novelty. Rabbi says, even a white shoe cannot be sent. Why? Because since you have to take it to the craftsman to go ahead and blacken it so it's not fit to use, therefore you can't send it. Says the Gartanya, it says in Bryce, so Rabbi Yehuda Rabbi Yehuda says, you're allowed to send a black shoe. But always a beloved, but not a white shoe. They should sarah because it requires um, it's a gear. Gear is a certain type of like, um, it's almost like this stuff that comes in the ground, black stuff, that they would use to, uh, to it's like a shoe dye, you know, shoe polish, to make it black. So that's what his point. His point is you need you need a whole a whole beitza. Beitza means like an egg normally, but it means like a, here in this context, it means a clump, like a, a pile. You need a pile of this black dye stuff on the shoe, therefore it's not fit the way it is. Rabbi Yossi, Oisi Bishachar. Now Rabbi Yossi comes along and he says, even if it's a black shoe, you're not allowed to send a black shoe. A new shoe that isn't perfectly finished, 
that, that's black, you're not allowed to say you have to smooth it. Meaning he's saying it's not even enough if it's black, it has to be smoothed down. The Gemara, what does that mean? The leather has to be smoothed over. So the Gemara explains. Rabbi Yudha didn't speak about being smoothed over. And here Rabbi Yossi does. But locally, they're not arguing. They're just speaking each one according to the local custom of where he was from. Where Rabbi Yudha was from. So the busser side, the flesh side of the hide, faced the inside of the shoe. So, so basically, the, the, the idea is that the sides of the hide, the parts that are the flesh have, have a lot of different layers. There's like a lot of different parts and it's uneven. And unless you smooth it down, it's going to look really bad. So the question is, which side was toward the inside and one side was toward the outside? In Rabbi Yehuda, the flesh side was tipped, which is going to look bad, but that was to the inside of the shoe. So you don't have to smooth it down. So as soon as it's black, okay, that's a finished product. So Rabbi Yehuda didn't mention anything about smoothing down. He just mentioned black versus white. Answer to my Rabbi Yehuda was from Bisrael, the flesh side of the hide was facing outward. So therefore, being black isn't enough because it's still the 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 the, the leather. It still has to be unless it's smoothed down. It's not going to really be look nice. It's not going to be like we're not going to consider it like a wearable shoe, even though you technically could put it on. But if the leather wouldn't be smoothed down, it wouldn't look good. So that's just the only question you have is why in Rabbi location did they put the flesh side facing outward? Right? It almost seems like it's a waste of their time because it just makes it annoying. Now you have to go smooth it. Why not construct the shoe where the flesh side is in the inside and then you don't have to smooth it? I don't know. Maybe something about it looks better. But the bottom line is, Rabbi Yosi is speaking to the way his shoes are made. So when his shoes are made, it, unless they're smoothed down, they're not finished. Rabbi Yosi is speaking to the way his shoes are made, but there's no need to smooth down. Okay. What did the mission finish off? Say, call cultures, well, beyond anything, it can be used on beyond a few cents. Outlook of Mara of Shesha, Shah, the Rabbanon, but Shadurai, Tilmi, Yom Tahar, Shesha, allowed the Rabbanon to send Tilan on Yantif. In other words, the Chiddush was that we don't wear Tilan on Yantif, and he was still allowing them to be sent as gifts. What did we learn in the Mishra Koshis? Whatever may be used on Yantif, you could send. So, what's the implication? Something is not used on Yantif, you're not allowed to send. So, tefillin can't be worn on Yantif. So, this is an interesting Gemara because it is a whole shile of tefillin are also to be worn on Shabbos and Yantif. It's not so posh. We know it's exempt. It's exempt. Why? Because the Allah is, it says that Yantif and Shabbos are an O's and tefillin are meant to be an O's. So, these days don't need an O's on the day that we have a sign of our treaty between us and Hashem. Does that mean it's forbidden? And does that mean it's again? So it sounds like from our Gemara a little bit like that. Because the Gemara is saying that, um, that how could you send tefillin, right? There's no, there's no use for it on Yantif. Just because you're not chayv in tefillin, it makes it that there's no use on Yantif. That's what it sounds like. So the Gemara says, We completely changed the meaning of our Mishnah. You don't have to send something fit on Yantif. You have to send a finished product that could be used if today was a weekday. You cannot send something which cannot be used even if today was a weekday. Meaning, until now we thought you have to be send something which is fit to use on the Yantif. By answering, you don't have to send something which is fit to use on Yantif. You have to send a finished product. Something which is fit to be used right away. If it happens to be Yantif, he restricts you from doing it, you can still send it. So tefillin is a finished product. And now what's the shot? What's the love? Is the, it's not for Yantif, so why are you allowed to send it? So the post can explain because there's a simcha that the guy gets from receiving a gift. So, so if you send him, you know, I don't know, a sandal hamusmar that he's never going to be able to wear, so then, you know, that, 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 there's no simcha when you get a sandal hamusmar. You didn't give me anything, right? I can never use it. But if you send me tefillin, even if I'm not going to wear them on yontif, yeah, but you still give me a big simcha. So that's why you could be allowed, that's why the, 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 the big switch here in the Gemara, you're allowed to send something, even if it's not fit to use on yontif. As long as it's fit for immediate usage, you're allowed to send. What's with muksav and leave tefillin or muksav? Clara Gemara. Joking around a little bit, but that question of whether it's muksa has a lot to do with the question of whether it's really forbidden to wear. 
But it sounds like here that they're sending gifts of tefillin and yantif. Okay. Amar Abai, the Gemara just goes on a tangent. Tefillin holo has under Once the topic here, tefillin came up. Let's discuss tefillin. How you baba derech and tefillin versus someone's on the road. Rashi learns it's a Friday night. Tefillin's on his head. Rishakal of Chama, the sun sets. So he's stuck. So what should he do? So really, there's an issue of hotza. You're not supposed to wear the tefillin on you. But so what do you do? He should put his hand over the tefillin until he reaches his house. Meaning, he doesn't want anyone to see he's wearing them. It's really an Isra Hotza. But in this case, we don't want to leave them by the roadside. That would be a chil to the tefillin. So the Rabbanim were makel and they allowed him to, to go home. But he should cover his head. Um, similarly, a Yosh-based measure tefillin. Same thing. You put your hand over the tefillin until you reach your home. No, you have to go home, take your tefillin. You can't leave them on the road. So what do you do? So you do so the same thing. So I'll take Is that true? God says in the price saw Mamish these cases. Someone's on the road and Arab Shabbos tefillin on his head. puts his hand over it. Until he reaches the house closest to the city wall, meaning the first. Well, this house inside city limits, we assume is safe, and he puts it there, keeps it there. Similarly, he puts it in the house closest to the base manager, which contradicts that. If I was saying in either of these cases that you wear the chill back home, here the brides are saying you just keep it in the house that's right by. So, which one is it? So, the Mark explains Lokasha. The brides are talking about a case where that home is a protected area. Since that home is a protected area, that's a good solution to leave it there. Ah, where Abai was saying you leave it home with the Lomentura. He was talking about where the homes are not protected. So everybody agrees. If the nearest house is protected, you leave it there. The nearest house, if the houses are not protected, then you take it back to your house. What if the closest house is not protected, but there are other houses in the middle that are protected? Do you have to stop at those? So it sounds like in the Gemara not. It's like either the closest house is protected, you leave it there, but if for whatever reason that's not doing it, and anyways you're carrying more, then Chazal would just make one. You could just carry it home. Okay. What are we saying? Everybody is talking about an unprotected case. Everybody is talking about an unprotected case. My ears are Why does he talk about a case? Someone wearing tefillin on his head. When Shabbos has started, even if they're lying on the ground, if you find tefillin in a place where they're not guarded on Shabbos, right? So what should you do? Ervin says if you find tefillin, Bring them in one pair at a time. And the idea that the Gemara and Erevin speaks out is that Mishom, the Atzol of the Tefillin, since it's in an unprotected area, even though you find them and you're not supposed to carry on Shabbos, but the Rabbanan were Mako, as long as it's carrying a Rabbanan Eifin to carry them home. So if the case is that it's, it's talking about an unprotected area, then Abai shouldn't be speaking about someone who's wearing the Tefillin. He should say, if you find Tefillin, you pick them up and, 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 and wear them and bring them in. So from the fact that Abai spoke about a case of somebody already wearing Tefillin, it's mashma that he's not talking about such an unprotected area. So our kasha comes back. So if Abai is talking about a protected area, so then that's the stira again. You allowed to take it home and you have to live it in the closest house. So the Gemara explains the low kasha. The Gemara reconciles Abai and the Bryce a little bit different. The bride saw where you're supposed to leave it in the closest, in the closest house. It's talking about a house that's protected from thieves and from dogs, meaning nothing can get it. No thieves, no dogs, everything's good. Then definitely leave it in the closest house. What was Abai talking about? Abai was talking about where the closest house is protected from dogs, but it's not protected from thieves. So Abai is saying that even though it's protected from dogs, you're still, um, you're still allowed to take it all the way home because of the danger from the thieves. Why is that even a novelty? The novelty is because most of the thieves in the area are Jews, right? You ever hear this thing? 
Well, most people who steal aren't Jews. So that's a, it's a bad quote of a Gemara taken out of context. It doesn't say in our Gemara that most people who steal are Jews. That's not the point. It means most of the Ganavim in the area happen to be Jews. Meaning, let's say it was in Bar Park, right? So if it's in Bar Park, so, so if someone would steal, yes, it's a totally open house and someone could theoretically steal it. But if somebody steals it, they're probably a Jew. It doesn't mean in general most Ganavim are Israeli. Anyways, Rovlis from Yisrael they're not going to, so I would say it's not a problem, even though they're not going to be Mazalza. So I have no head there to take it home. Kamash Lanavai tells us, no, you can't rely on that. Maybe Lemaisa guy will steal it, and maybe Mechal of the Tefillin, and therefore you have to take the Tefillin back to your home. So what did the Gemara, let's, let's just be clear. So what did we do now? Instead of just answering, oh, it was unprotected versus protected, we said that Abai is talking about a case that it's not protected from thieves, but it is protected from the dogs, right? So how does that answer us? We had a Kasha. If Abai is talking about an unprotected thing, then why does he talk about somebody wearing it? He should talk about even somebody who finds the Tefillin, that he should take them in. So how, how have we addressed that? Why, according to the way that we modified our answer, is that question any better? So Rashi says an interesting Kiddush. Rashi says, now that we specified Abai is talking about it's guarded from the dogs, but it's not guarded from the thieves, now we understand. If it would be lying on the floor, you would not be allowed to pick it up. Since it's guarded from the dogs, nothing bad is going to happen to the phone. What's going to happen? A thief will take it? Eh, we could assume that the, it will be Yisrael who won't be Mazal's on it. So Taka, you're not allowed to pick it up in that case. And the mission Ervin that said you could means that it's not guarded even from dogs in that case. But where you're already wearing it, Abayah says, there you're not to put it into a house that's not guarded from thieves. So I don't have to put it into a semi-protected area. But if I find it in the semi-protected area, I'm not allowed to pick it up on Shabbos Yantav. So let me, let me go over what comes out. If it's in a totally unprotected area, Mamish dogs could take it. Then even if it's lying there on the floor, that's the mission area and you take it back home. If it's a totally protected area, then, 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 then it's posture that you have to leave it. That's the price of you have to leave it by the, by the house. If it's a semi-protected area, that's a buy. So if you're already wearing it, then you take it home. But if, if you find it on the floor, you wouldn't. Hajar Allah, Bates. No, it could be he wants it, but we're saying you don't have a, if, if he'll take it, he probably won't be mazalzan, let's film. So they don't have the header to do the hotzah if you're just trying to make sure a Jewish thief doesn't take it. It, from my perspective of, of Hatzalah's Tzvillin, it's okay. I'm not concerned about the, the asset. I mean, I am concerned. But the halacha isn't concerned about me losing my money as much as it's concerned with the Zilzalah Tzvillin. Okay, now we're talking about Yontif on Friday. Yontif Shechal Yosef Shabbos, the case where Yontif is Friday. You're not allowed to cook on Yontif, you're allowed to cook on Yontif, but if you're not allowed to cook, when Yontif is Friday, you're not allowed to do that. If you could cook for Yontif, if you have any leftover food, also the Shabbos. So what's left over could be used for Shabbos. So we'll see in the Gemara. Does that mean you could play games, cook extra, you know? A little bit more. How do I know? Can I manipulate the system? We'll see in the, in the coming up. Now there's a hat there. If you want to, the mission is saying you're not allowed to cook from Friday for Shabbos, right? So is there any hat there? So we know of this hat there. If Yontif person can prepare a cook dish before Yontif, he's designating it as his cook dish, his air of Tavshilin. Now we can rely on it for Shabbos, meaning as long as that cook dish was set aside, now you could cook on Yontif for Shabbos. How does that work? So we'll see in the Gemara. Bishami says the air has to be two cooked dish, even just one cooked dish. Bishami and Allah, they agree that if there's some sort of dish where you have fish and there's an egg spread over and on the top, you know, one of those eggs over the burger thing, you know, so you got the egg and it's some sort of thing that's spread on top of the uh, fish, that's considered two. 
Change Shnei Tafshila, and therefore everybody agrees that's fine. What happens if you made the Erev but got ate or got lost before you had a chance to put up the challenge on Friday for Shabbos? You mean he made the Erev Tafshila and you were good, but then it got, ate, it got stolen, it got lost, and now by the time you want to cook on Yontif, it's no longer there. Then you're not allowed to do it. You're not allowed to rely on it anymore. But if any of it was left intact, even if the whole thing was not left intact, but some of it was left intact, so you make all of the Shabbos and you can continue to rely on it to cook for Shabbos. So first, the Gemara says, Where is a Makar from the Torah for Eir Tashiyon? So the Gemara is looking for an Asmachta, like, meaning, right, really, it's been we're going to see in a second. But the Gemara is looking for some Asmachta that there's a concept of Eir Tashiyon. So the Gemara says, Because it didn't have to remember the Shabbos. So you only remember something, in a scenario that it might come to be forgotten. So that means if Shabbos is after a Yontif, someone might forget about the needs of the Shabbos. They're so busy with the needs of the Yontif. So there's a din, the Torah is saying, remember it. And that way that means proactively go ahead and make a cooked dish before Yontif, which shows that your mind, that you're thinking about the Shabbos, which is coming up. So that's just a random asmach that we haven't really done much. We haven't explained why you need an Eretz Hashim. We haven't explained how it works. That's just giving us a random, like, scriptural allusion to the concept. So now the Gemara gets in the detail. My time, what is the reason why you have Eretz Hashim? What's pshat? You're allowed to cook on yontif, right? So, 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 if you're allowed to cook on yontif, why can't I cook on yontif if I'm not planning on using it on Shabbos? Now, to clarify something, we learned in Pesachim against the Remember, if I cook on yontif for, 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 for a weekday, that's a machlekes if you get lashes. One opinion says you get lashes, you're only allowed to cook on yontif for yontif, not for after yontif. The other opinion says you don't get lashes because there's a principle of hoel. Maybe guests will come knock on the door, and if guests will come knock on the door, you'll end up using the food for yontif. So maybe the cooking is really for yontif. So the Gemara there explains, and this is really what's part of it, that so cooking from Yontif to Shabbos, though, everybody holds is not, is not awesome in Daraisa. Either because of Holel, just like you could cook Daraisa from Yontif to Hol, or there's a new idea that Sarkhi Shabbos not to be Yontif. That Yontif, it like becomes bottled to the knees of the Shabbos. So therefore, there's like an idea that if I could cook for Yontif, I could cook for the Shabbos as well. So that's why the Gemara is justified to ask my time. Meaning, what we're asking is, everybody holds on a Daraisa level, you could cook for Yontif to Shabbos. Either because of Hoel or because of Tzarek Shabbos, not to be Yontif. You have to look back at the Gemara and Pesach and to fully appreciate that. But the Gemara has the right to ask my time because that's definitely true. On a biblical level, there's nothing wrong with cooking from Yontif to Shabbos. So why is there a need for Eir Tavshil? We want to make sure to remember to set aside proper food for Shabbos. So what are we saying? We're scared you're going to eat all your food on Yontif. You're going to come Friday night. You're not going to have any food left and you can't cook on Shabbos. You're not going to have proper owning Shabbos. So therefore, Mitzvah Bonin said, be Masakin and Erev. You'll have this random food around, sitting around you can't use. And that will remind you mentally about, oh yeah, 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 we need food for Shabbos. That's the idea. So the problem is people might not have food for Shabbos. They might, they might not think about preparing the foods. The Rabbanon said, put make an Erev Tafshilin. Set aside something for Shabbos. That reminds you about the fact that Shabbos is coming and now you can cook. And it's, a, it's like a very funny thing, you know. This thing is like a backwards thing. For somebody who didn't make an Eruv and wants to cook for Shabbos, the rabbi will say, no, you're not allowed to cook for Shabbos. You didn't make an Eruv, right? Why did the rabbis make an institution that you need an Eruv Bechlal? Because without it, somebody might not go cook for Yom to Shabbos. It's a very ironic twist on the Xer. The whole thing is we're trying to protect the Shabbos. That's the whole thing. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, now practically, someone who didn't make an Eruv, Friday afternoon, he wants to put up a challenge. What's the din? Oh, sir, you may not cook for the Shabbos. That's, that, that particular scenario is exactly what we really are trying to avoid. Just we're trying to avoid it with people forgetting about it, right? So we say, make an air of and therefore you'll remember to cook from Yom to Shabbos. Now, what's the halacha? If you don't have an air of you can't prepare from Yom to Shabbos. Okay.
It's very confusing to us. Says the Gemara, Ravashi, fine. That's Ravah. According to him, no, it's meant to teach people a lesson. If we're going to say the din is, you can't cook from Yontif to Shabbos, people will realize, even though I can cook on Yontif, that's not a broad hetar. I can't even cook for Shabbos. Kavachimra, I can't cook for the weekday. Meaning, really, what the rabbis are concerned for is that if we let people cook for Shabbos, they're going to cook for the week. They're going to say, I've got time off. Let me just, you know, put dinners away in the freezer for the week. I've got some time off today. So we don't want people doing that because that's forbidden. Now, if it's, is it forbidden on a Daraisa level or a Darabana level? If you hold of Hol, it's only Darabana. If you, hold, if you don't have Hol, it's Daraisa. Pasha, you would say, there, it means Ravashi doesn't hold of Hol. You have to go back and look himself. It counts as Zachel to be shining. It makes sense. Because Ravashi is making a decree to protect the guy who's going to be cooking more with Tzorah Hol. He doesn't want that to happen. So he's going to teach us a lesson. How are those rabbis teaching us a lesson? If they say you can't cook from Shabbos, then I realize the severity of cooking on Yantif for a non-Yantif need, and then I'll never, ever, Come to cook from Yantif to for, for a random Sunday. So two very different perspectives. According to Rava, the Erev is based upon protection of Oinik Shabbos. According to Rav Ashi, it's protecting it's, it's, it's protecting covered Yantif. Very different issues. And how does having an Erev Tavshilin help to anything over here? According to Rav Ashi, it's so clear, no? According to Rav Ashi, the point is people are going to say, "Ain't no from Yantif Shabbos," right? Why is it helpful if I have Tavshilin? Then I cook cook. Right? What's the var? Fish on the first thing. I, I, if I have something reminding me, then I'm allowed to cook. For, and the second thing, the issue is I don't want people. I want to say it's also to cook for Shabbos. Right? That's the whole point. I want to say it's also for Shabbos that people realize if it's also to cook for Shabbos, you can't go for Chol. So why does it help if I make an Tavshilin? Why now am I allowed to cook for Shabbos? So on some level, it seems like the Rishonim understand that the site of the Hatter is that you've already started the preparations for Shabbos. That's the idea. I'm not just starting to prepare, you know, putting up the challah randomly on Friday. I've already started the preparations for Shabbos. Interesting idea. Says the Gemara Tanan, the Mishnah said, The Mishnah specified that when do I make it, the Erev? I only make the Erev before Yontav starts. So it sounds like if once Yontav starts, it's too late to make an Erev Tashim. That the whole Yisoyed is... We want to teach people a lesson. So it's about covered yontif. That's why an air which is made before yontif is good. But if it's made on yontif, it's no good because that's the point. I want on yontif that there should be an air of tafshilin teaching people a lesson. You can't stop randomly cook from a um, yontif to Shabbos. El Rava, according to Rava, that the point is to protect Shabbos, that we should remember to save food for Shabbos. So you just have to have it sometime on Yontif. But why do I have to make it before Yontif starts? My The point is, we don't want somebody to finish all their food, right? That's the point. We don't want them to go into Shabbos without food. So, but why does that mean that I have to make the Erev on Erev Yontif? Why can't I make the Erev on Yontif itself? And sometime on Yontif I'll make the Erev. And then at lunch, I won't finish all my food. I'll remember that I have to save for Shabbos. So the Lord says, you're right. In the Chanami, the Erev should have been able to be made on Yontif itself. We were scared people would forget. You know, it's Yontif. So therefore, um, they said, do it before Yontif. Zalti Gemara, we brought the, the illusion from the Pasuk before, from Zachar Samashav Zakacho. Now the Gemara brings a different one. Right, this is by the month. This that you will bake, bake, and this that you will cook, cook. When you already started baking, you can add on and bake more. When you already started cooking, you can add on and cook more. And right, he's saying even more that if you want to bake on Yontif for Shabbos, you have to have a baked food, like a challah. 
If you want to cook food with the Shabbos, then you have to have a cooked food. And this is the idea of, a, of like an illusion in the Torah to, obviously it's not the context of the Torah, but it's, it's just a random asmachta for Eir Tavshilin. Because that's the idea. Well, once you started baking, you can bake more. Once you started cooking, you can cook more. It says the Gemara here a story. Ton of my saw Rabbi Eliezer. It was a story with Rabbi Eliezer. He was sitting in the he was sitting in the base magic darshaning the whole day, But people kept on leaving his shear. Yatsakatsrishona. In the middle of the shear, so one group of people left. Almar He said, These people, they own bunches of barrels. What does he mean to say like that? They they have special barrels of wine for the Yantif, and they're so connected to that they have such urge to go drink their wine that they can't sit through my shear. Bashnia, the second group left. These people must have, you know, some kegs that they want to drink. These people must have some jugs they want to drink. But if you notice, he keeps on getting successively lower, right? Because the point is, each one is less, you know, connected to their gosh. Because the first group was super bad because they ran out really early and they, they must have really wanted their wine. So they were like, you know, they had tons of wine, so on and so forth. Okay, Basri's uh, got to the fourth group, flasks. These people have cups of wine. The sixth group began to live. For the sixth group that left, he cursed them. He said that they're cursed people. What's the pshat? So it seems that like it was getting, in a way, the first group was worse. But now, for when it got to the sixth group, in a way, they're the worst because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's getting empty. It's getting too empty. So it's like, you know, you ever get stuck at a shear, you're like uh, two people. And you feel bad leaving the shear because then the shear was happening. So that's the, that's the issue. So he started cursing the sixth group. And he gave a, a harsh look at the people who remained. Their faces turned white. They got nervous from him. It's not about you that I'm criticizing. I'm criticizing those people who left. Why? He gives them harsh muscle. He says, instead of learning Torah, which is eternal life, here they are going home, enjoying their day, eating food and wine, which is just, you know, temporary needs. When the people finally, when the Shia ended, Amr Lahem Rabbi quoted the following Pasuk to them. It's interesting to learn this Pasuk, Pasuk in Nehemiah. The Pasuk in Nehemiah is talking about Rosh Hashanah. And it's saying on Rosh Hashanah, they, the Navi said to them, Go out, go eat good food, drink sweet drinks. Send a portion to anyone who is unprepared. Why? Today is a holy day. Do not be depressed. The joy of Hashem is your security. This is the hard concept of, of Rosh Hashanah, that we are, as much as we, we, we have aim of Sadim, we have the trepidation of the fact that we're being judged, but there's also a simcha. The simcha is that we're betuchimedin, right? That we know we're good, and that's why we have the celebration on Rosh Hashanah. So this is the positive that he quoted to them. So the Gemara now says, He's criticized the people who left. So the Gemara, what were these people doing wrong? Right, the idea of being happy and the aunt of rejoicing, eating a, a good meal, it's a mitzvah. So, so at the end of the day, like, what do we do wrong? So the mitzvah, what's the, what's the mitzvah? So you might be tempted to say, but it's not necessarily. might be specific to the Basar Shlamim, right? But there's more than, than that. There's also a din that the Torah says, that the Yantif is for you. The din of Lachem means that you should enjoy Yantif, right? So even today, what everyone wants to make sure that, but there's a din, you should enjoy the Yantif. So what were they doing wrong? You might remember this from There's a dispute if you really have to enjoy Yantif. Rabbi Lazar holds it's optional. So since it's optional, really, you could just learn. 
So therefore, Abelazar is criticizing those people who leaves the base madrash because he's saying you have options. Once Hashem gives you the option, if you want, it's not mandatory to to to, to be m'sameach on the antif. You really could learn the whole day. So so therefore, he's critical of the people who left. So the Gemara says, Person has no absolute chiyuv. If he wants, he can eat and drink, or if he wants, he can sit and learn. Meaning there's no absolute chiyuv. Even though the Torah says it's for you, if you want, you could just learn Torah the whole day, and then you're good to go. Um, but if you're not learning, that's when you have to go, that's when you have to go and, um, and celebrate. Okay, fine. So, Lamaiza, at the end of the day, the people who left, even according to Rabbi Lezer, they weren't wrong. I'm saying you could choose to have some chasyantah. But his point is, once it's optional, you could be at the shear, so then he is tying for them for leaving early. Right? And also, just another point, it doesn't sound like an argamara that you have to do one or the other. It sounds like even according to Rabbi Lezer, you could have a blend. It's not mandatory to have a blend. You could just learn, or you could just celebrate. But if even Rabbi Lezer, he finished the shear at some point, and he said, you'll eat. So it's not shot. you have to either fully learn or fully celebrate. The point of Rabbi Lazar is that it's a rishos to go do simchas yantif. Meaning, if you're learning, you don't have to stop. You could go home. I'm sorry, you don't have to stop learning. You could just continue learning. That's the point. And that's why he's critical of the people who left. It could have continued by this year. Now the Gemara gets into this, that you're not allowed to split up the day. The Torah says, it's for us and for Hashem. So there's a chiyuv, mandatory, to have simchas yantav. Now it makes sense. Then it wouldn't be a tain on somebody who leaves. Even if maybe you could eat his meal later. But Lamaisi is going to do what's absolutely a chiyuv. That's why Belia is stopping to learn and going home. You could see an ounce of criticism in that. It's to go have a meal so there's no... There's no so that's what I'm saying. I think there's two dinim. I think there's maybe it relates to that. But then there's general lachem. Lachem, I don't know if that's specific to, to Basar and Yain. Could be sleeping. Learning could be in the category also. Oh, so that's the shikl shagazai. Shagazai says, because a person happiness. To learn. He talks about, according to Rabbi Yeshua, if a person is allowed to. It sounds like in the Gemara he's not allowed, right? It's not like he's sending them home. He's like, but you're not sending them home, but it's like... Ooh, Rabbi Eliezer at the end? No, no, he's like... Rabbi Yeshua? Yeah, at the end he says everyone should go home and eat. Rabbi Eliezer at the end, yeah. right. Yeah, that's what's confusing. Even Rabbi Eliezer holds it that it's for sure, so he sends them home and he says, go eat. Right? So I think it means like this. At Kama, you're not in the Shir, you should go look, you should, you should, have, you should definitely go home and eat. The point of Rabbi Lezer is one thing. There's one point that's important. If a person is wanting now to learn, must they stop their learning to go home? According to Rabbi Shua, yes. According to Rabbi Lezer, no. So Rabbi Lezer holds that you don't have to go home, immediately get tainus on the people who left this year early. According to Rabbi Shua, what do you mean? They're doing a chi event. Okay. So the Mar Dash is the same pasuk. It's for you. So which one is it? Okay, it's all right, now we look at the end of the Pasuk in, 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 in Nechemia. It said that, that, that go eat, and then it says go prepare gifts for someone to someone who is unprepared. So what does that mean, send a gift to someone who is unprepared? So the Gemara finds it. It means for someone who didn't put in Erev Tavshilin. So therefore that guy wasn't allowed to prepare food for Shabbos. So the, the, the Navi is saying, Everyone should have Rachmanus on that guy. He can't put up a challenge. He's not going to have food for Shabbos. So we should go share your food with him. And if they share the food with him, it's good because then he won't have to cook. 
He should share with someone who wasn't able to make an Eretz Shilin. I mean, a guy had an Ones or something. He was very busy. He didn't have time to make an Eretz Shilin. But for someone who had the opportunity to make an Eretz Shilin and didn't, he's negligent. And if he's negligent, then what? And we don't have to care about him? The Navi wouldn't say to do it? You're not allowed to help somebody? What's the idea? Okay. Guy was negligent. So now, now he's worse than the guy who doesn't have a... You know, the guy who's uh, whatever, could get a job and doesn't get a job, and then it's worse than him? Well, what's the, I don't know. It's, it's like a halacha thing. It's like, oh, the guy doesn't care about the halacha. That's why we shouldn't help him. I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, with the end of the Pasuk, the joy of Hashem is what makes us confident. So, Amar, what does that mean? Amar, what does that mean? Go borrow money because of me. It's on me, God says. And I and, and I will eventually repay. As long as you're doing right, this is the famous Gemara, Simchas Yantif. Whatever it is that you, that you spend, that Kaddish Baruch says, you're secure. The money's going to come back. It's a guarantee from Kaddish Baruch It's guaranteed. The money's good. Kaddish Baruch will repay us for what we spend. Continues the Gemara, one more statement here, just Rabbi Yochan. It said, Rabbi Yochan, Shemar Blas, Rabbi Shimon, I'll write to Shikam, someone who wants his property to last. What's a smart investment? Yitam Eder, you should plant an Eder tree. An Eder tree is a certain type of tree. So Rashi explains that the Indian is, it's like, if you buy like a rare thing, everybody's hacking about it, everybody's talking about it, no one will be able to steal it, everybody's aware that it's yours. So it's like, you should buy a rare point, something that's going to last and everybody will know is associated with you. That's the point. And, and where do we see that, that we find an illusion in the word of Hebrew that either has to do with strength, something that will last, and emer adir b'amaru mashem. So we see in that context that adir means strength. So therefore the tree, it was going to be an adir tree. And adir is the same root, it will be a tree of strength. Inami or we get it because it's just idra, the very name itself, with the amri and what does adir mean? My, my idra, why is the tree called an idra? Because it's from the lotion of dar, of generation. It lasts for many generations. So, that, so since it's, 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 it's a long thing, everything's good, that's why you should use it. A field which has an Eder tree, and it's it's never going to steal. No one's going to steal it because everybody's going to know whose field it is. It's like, ah, who has the Eder tree around town? Everybody's aware of it. No one will forcibly take it away. The fruits are always guarded again because everyone is aware of it. So therefore, it's a smart business investment to go buy an Eder.